Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Resilient Science, the show where we spend 10 to 15 to however many minutes each week trying to better understand a topic around hockey, rehab, and the science behind it. I'm Dr. Ben Sonic. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a strength and goalie coach. I'm a researcher that, well, graduate student that gets to research hockey, and I spend way too much time looking at goalies getting drafted. Jamie, how are you doing? I am, Jamie, doing well. My research is still in the IRB pipeline because the head of the IRB at our school uh, left, so I there's a chance that our research just just gets thrown out, which yeah, I'm he very doesn't uh, I don't. I do have a new publication coming soon. I will drop that eventually. Um, anyways, yeah, former former goalie, doctor, physical therapy student, master of science, strength coach. I run a remote training program for goalies called the Elite Goalie Method. It's very successful. You should join. Uh, very shameless plug. But wow. anyways, you had a good. Yeah, sponsored. Today's episode is sponsored. Today's episode is sponsored by Jamie's own work. And (laughs) let's keep in mind that Jamie gets to advertise on here and gives me a 0% cut. So I'm join join Elite Goalie Method if you want, but you don't have to because Jamie doesn't But to be fair, in in order to pay it, I do listen to a lot of your rants about just like draft. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hey, hey, did you know that in the 06 draft, if you were drafted past the fifth round, they had a (laughs) 2.7. It's just like, yes, Ben. Uh, Did you know... Jamie, that if you start looking at goalies drafted by round, one of the most successful NHL draft rounds of all time is the ninth. Did you know that, Jamie? I didn't. Although Did you I know- do, I am looking forward to when we, when you do your data, and then we put together like a really long video where we sit down and just talk about it because there's going to be so many people who are like, well, there's going to be really like you're wrong, even though it's not like you're giving your opinion. It's just like, hey, these are what the numbers say. Uh, Hopefully, and again, it, it it builds upon our discussion and the evidence that you provided that Hockey Canada is not broken. And also the current scouting model, not development model, but scouting model we have to um, identify talent actually works way better than I thought off yeah. like top of my head. So it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, different topic this week. Jamie, this yes. week I wanted to talk to you about actually a on ice specific topic, which is what we think 
the most difficult plays or reads, so situations that goalies find themselves in in games, um, that are regularly occurring. And so, like, we wanted to find what regularly occurring means. So we we didn't want to say, like, two on O's and three on O's. Yes, those are hard. Um, you don't really regularly see those, though. So uh, if you do, we're sorry. It happens sometimes. Yeah, so I, I know someone's going to comment being like, I get oh, five my, a game. <laughs> yeah, my team isn't good, so I get six, six three on O's a game. Like, I, that's not – it shouldn't happen. So we're sorry. We're sorry to hear that. Yeah, like, it sucks. Keep grinding. You got this. Um, but we're going to talk about stuff that is more commonly occurring. And so uh, we each kind of have a top three. Um, we went into it not talking to each other about it, but ended up kind of at the same place. So, yeah. Jamie, without further ado, let's go from the simplest ones to the most complicated ones. So you hit us with what you think is the simplest of the three we talked about. Yeah, this is actually crazy. Now that I think about simplest. Um I don't know if the high screen high tip is more simple than just any sort of five on three based on the fact that in a high high screen high tip it's there is so much out of your control correct where which is why it's hard yeah which is like why then becomes a percentage and luck luck game versus a five on three where you do have the opportunity to pre-scout, but then it becomes a numbers game where eventually you, you're you going to expose a lot of net at some point. And so I, so for me, in no particular order, so I, I'm completely ruining your question, Ben. Uh, <laughs> high screen, high tip. So anything with a flash screen, flash tip, where it's very difficult to read the release or you read the release and it changes direction and it has to go through bodies. Uh, which is why in the NHL you see so many tip goals because that's basically the only way to beat goalies consistently these days. Uh, mm-hmm. Five on three, again, numbers game. You don't know. There's a lot of different ways that other teams will set up a five on three power play. Um, so any of those are just difficult, common occurring. You'll see one every couple of games at least. And then uh, I'll give you, your Ben, your top two because we agreed on the most difficult common yes. like and very common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the one thing that's probably so again, yeah, I agree. I think simple is a is a tricky word, but yeah, like in terms of a a, a flash screen or a multi like multi-layered screen with a tip, you're right. Um as a goalie, you're just trying to try and find a release, trying to mm-hmm. find any sightline of a puck and generally try to stay squared on your angle to it and kind of hope it hits you. Like yeah. beyond is there anything beyond that? Like sometimes I know that historically not, we talk no. about getting close, getting close to a tip, right? Like you want to try to limit how variable that tip can be. Except, but that also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so you want, you would like to get closer. This is a key thing. You don't want to get close. You need to, this, this is a big thing that I talk about with all my goalies and like anyone that follows like VC on Patreon, I, I just hammer this home. You need to have separation between the guy in front and you because you cannot sacrifice your positioning in terms of like your your say your arm or stick getting caught up in the player your player or the offensive player in front of you so but when a tip is closer the tip is close meaning like a couple feet from the, the top of the blue you want to be closer to the shooter when the tip is high there is nothing you can you cannot get closer to him correct so yeah. that is why high tips are so effective and so for simplicity's sake when when we were when I was when Ben gave me this list and we were talking about it before the show, high tips and high and high screens have the least number of variables. 
And so that's why I would consider it the most simple. It is not simple to save, but in terms of variables and options, a shot will either get tipped or it won't. So you have two variables there. That tip will either go high, mid, so high glove, high blocker, low glove, low blocker, chest. So five variables there. So it's very, so that's really it. The screen is what it is. You either see the release or you don't see the release. So that's like a one and a zero. Um, So there's the fewest amount of variables there. Five on three, you don't know what's happening because you also add in screens and tips to a five on three with two extra players on the advantage. But that's a big important thing. Sorry, I got to try. Yeah, when you... (laughs) The, the thought that you need to get super close and super tight with a tip is is old. Yes. Don't play like that. You don't want to be backed up in your crease, in your goal line, obviously. But you need to have enough separation where it doesn't interfere with your save execution. And if a tip is tight, yes, you can eliminate much of the angle by being closer. But as soon as that tip goes higher than like the hash marks or even a couple of feet even, below the hash yeah, marks, yeah. it does not matter your depth. Um, I really like how your your four minute rant there uh, immediately immediately came after I said but to clarify my point. So thank you for letting yeah, me. Yeah, so just I'm say, just saying all the credit. <laughs> thank you for not letting. Well, me no, say. it's 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 hard. I, I mean, we we work with a lot. Of, I don't know how many new goalies you get uh, a week. I get a lot of new goalies uh, each week that you know that join my program. And so for me, a lot of it is teaching the same concepts over and over again. Like once you have the same goalies, they, they, they get, they know that they create separation, but whenever, like I have a new goalie at least once a week, um, you, you know, I'll ask that question and they say, I got to get really close. Yeah. And then it's just the same thing. So it's just one of those things that's been fresh on the top of my mind because I continuously talk about it. Yeah. And if people want like a reference point on this, um, go check out Jordan Bennington, how he plays in traffic. He is very engaged with, players in front of him and i think that's one of his biggest troubles is when he engages with players like physically engages with them and depth wise too anyways moving on um so yeah screens tips very hard but relatively simple in the grand scheme of what happens on those so that's our our number one that's a difficult commonly occurring play number two jamie alluded to it and straight up mentioned it five on threes but five on threes are tricky for a lot of different ways and i think one thing to keep in mind is five on threes become more and more complicated the older you get and the higher level you play at. Because one of the things uh, that we hear a lot too is that, oh, you know, five on threes aren't so bad. I just make backdoor saves back and forth. And it's like, yeah, that's that's fair. That will happen. Um, but as you get older and as the play gets faster, more teams will start closing in that zone. So you'll start to see, for example, like the D will start pinching down to the top of the circles if you're running an effective five on three more or less at a higher level. Um, If you're playing in a league where the other team does not close the size of the offensive zone in the five on three, uh, this situation gets less scary. Jamie, agree, disagree? Yeah, and teams are getting more creative. Um, One of the five on threes I started to see more towards the end of my career, and then you'll see it um, a lot more more in college and junior, not much in the NHL, is the two players behind the goal line, three above, and it's the pass behind and like get the goalie to open up at just to set up a, a one-timer from the slot where the guy skates in. That is very hard. Yes. Very yeah. Hard. Well, anytime, anytime you go low to high, that's a really, yeah. really difficult play. And then if you add a cross seam, like now you're really, really opening up a really big challenge. Uh, Jamie, general suggestions that you think are really important things to consider on a five on three that goalies can take away from it to make a difficult situation, maybe a little, easier for them so common mistakes that you see on five on threes yeah the one the 
everyone wants that one hack that's going to change everything. Most important thing is manage your depth. Manage your depth. Uh, there in a five on three, there is no reason for you to be at the top of the crease. You want to be mid crease because of the backdoor options. You need to give yourself a chance at the backdoor. You need to eliminate a large majority of the net in your and in, in the save. And you do that by being in the mid mid crease, diminishing returns as you move forward, as we talked about before. So depth, depth, and patience are your two biggest assets because the purpose of a five on three is to get you behind the play and open up your net or get you to drop, which causes you to be behind the play. Yeah, I like that you immediately took it to the one simple hack. I wasn't asking for a simple hack. I was asking for no, but everyone wants everyone. No, everyone (laughs) wants that one thing that's going to change. It's just depth. Just manage your depth. It's not fancy. It's not like oh yeah, like you can do that. No, no. Anyone that says that just drives me nuts because so many. What is it? Superlatives? Superlatives? Uh, All those. I I think I don't think you're using that word correctly. I don't think I am either. Um. No, but I think that's yeah. I agree with that. I think you can almost you can almost really see goals happening on five on threes um, at junior levels, at minor hockey levels. As soon as you see a goalie like hit white ice, basically, you're like, oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. going to cross a seam and that's going to go in the net now. Or even, and I think this is underappreciated, um, you get really aggressive only to make a rebound save that you have a zero percent chance of ever getting back to. Right. So yeah. So it's like. Exactly. You can make that save, that initial save, by not being super aggressive, and then have a chance to make that backdoor save. You may not make it. Yeah. At least have a chance. Also, superlative was correct because everyone wants nice, that. Good job. Everyone wants that one greatest hack to solve your five on three problems. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we we've we've talked about not the hardest situation. High screen high tip. Enough. Yeah. So we've talked high screen high tip three uh five on three, then. We def we def we agree on we usually agree on everything. Uh, otherwise, we don't have a podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, the most common occurring difficult play, and this is everyone's going to love this one. It is a low angle or goal line attack with a backdoor pass option. Oh, this gives me absolute chills thinking about being in the net for this play. I know. Um, so, Ben, I will give you the honor this time. Of talking about it because you identified this before I did. Yeah, so I think that I always say to anyone, so if any of the goalies that I work with are listening to this, you've heard me say this a lot of times that I think this is the hardest commonly occurring play in hockey right now um, only because one, players are getting smarter. Congratulations to players. We're very happy for you. Um, but also because it just happens so often and it is unappreciated how often it happens. Yeah. Uh, so for example, like, I think that's one of the biggest things is, is everyone loves, and we talked about this before, but everyone loves to watch an RVH fail. And then everyone gets on Twitter and everyone's a goalie coach about how to, to deal with that play. But I think one thing people fail to appreciate is just how often nothing comes from a net drive attack. And I mean, no shot, no pass, and just a regroup happens or they go around the net or it's a simple yeah. save like that happens a ton. So I think why this play is so tricky is because one, it's very, very fast paced. So you have to make a decision really quickly. So you have to be aware, you have to have a really good scan. Like, is there someone in the slot? Is there someone behind you? Is there someone, where are they? If there is someone on the other side of the ice, because that immediately dictates what your save options are, right? And realistically, I think if we're going to keep it pretty simple, it's RVH overlap. Is there anything else people are using, Jamie? You want to throw it? I saw a VH the other day, actually. I saw a VH. VH will be common on the glove side, not as much block side. Correct, yeah, because at least you can stack the glove side. 
Um, but those are really your. Th- if sorry, to be honest, if you say panned on this, like this, sure, not today. Let's just say you just say you didn't overlap and you cheat. You're cheating. A cheating overlap. You but didn't yeah, overlap so and you pivoted. My um, European goalies will say panda. That's fine. I'm just going to group that largely into an overlap category. So you really don't have that many options as a goalie, which is why this play also becomes scary because in a lot of ways, Jamie, you're stuck waiting for this attack, right? You don't, you don't, it's one of the only, it's one of the few plays where you really, you're just like, okay, here they come, here they come. And you have to kind of make that decision, right? Because it's especially, especially for some goalies, when you have that really lateral backdoor threat, it's not wrong to be in an RBH here. Like it isn't. No, it isn't. You should. You should, you should be. You should be. Again, the purpose <laughs> of the RVH is to seal the short side. That That is it. That is it. Everyone wants to give this convoluted answer where you're shielding the short side and playing the back door and setting yourself. No, it's to seal the short side and to give yourself a decent anchor so that if the guy runs into you, you, can, you don't come off the net. Whereas like in an overlap, you can easily get pushed off the net in a battle. Um, or if you want to use your edge, you have to sacrifice uh, a little bit of the, the your five hole. Yeah, your coverage, right? Like you lose yeah. coverage. Yeah, I think that is something really important, and I ha- hammer this home all the time that the goal of any short side net drive play is to make the short side safe. Um, that mm-hmm. is the number one priority. If a mm-hmm. puck is getting through back door, you have a chance, right? You're in a, you're in positionally ideally a situation where you can make that save, and that's. But it's not, again, that's not the priority of the RBH. The priority of the RBH is, is to seal the short side, which is why I think you get upset a lot when goalies are doing it in a non-shot situation, basically. Because, like, why are you in a short side save position when there's not a shot happening? I know. And this this would this would be a good, like, I would love, some. I do talk about sometimes on, like, my, my teaching posts for my goalies, because it requires a lot of detail and video explanation. Mm-hmm. So essentially, why, why for me, why this is a, such a difficult play is because the ice gets split. Because that low drive attack is 100% the goalie's responsibility. And, and mm-hmm. I know everyone gets upset when we say things like, oh, the goalie did your job. The low attack is your responsibility because the net, the amount of net available to score is so small that it, just it has to be your job there's no one else going to influence it and so for me that should, protecting the short side is priority number one for the goalie then priority number two is being able to have the ability to make the read and have an athletic ability to push across for that save um, and so this happens all the time and and why and so that is challenging to have the ice split. So essentially you have to commit a hundred percent to a shot and then be able to abandon that commitment to be able to push across and make a save. And and, it, and shooters understand this and that's why it's, it's so difficult to make the save. And then when you look at post plays and why all of the RVH fails and everyone just goes, Oh, you should have, could have, would have. Well, yeah, everyone says that in hindsight, but the reason that the art, the post plays are so highly debated is because of either improper timing. We're going into something too early. Usually it's too early. Rarely is it too late. And then the second is save selection. So it's picking the wrong save. So either picking an overlap or an RBH 
in the wrong situation. So using an RVH in an overlap situation or using an overlap in an RVH situation. And that's really when it distills down to you. So as a goalie, if you can learn from your coaches and from watching the NHL and be able to identify what situation should I use an overlap? What situation should I use an RVH? And when should I use it? You're going to reduce the number of goals that you give up straight shots on the short side by like, a lot. A significant amount. Yeah, and this is where I'll throw out, like, um, everyone loves to talk about UC Saros, us included, but he actually is one of the the better users of overlaps regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a really good job. And he, he, so, like, again, if you're looking to see at someone, like, how, if you want to see someone, how they read um, these kind of lower angle or drive plays, that's not a bad place to start. Um, you mm-hmm. can pretty much watch any game Nashville plays, because Nashville gives a ton of... <laughs> Just a ton of chances, period. So many um, chances. So many chances. So you're able to kind of see him do it a bunch of games. So just watch a couple of Nashville games uh, if you want a starting place on. And then just really look at how those low net drives are being played. But I think, Jamie, to kind of go back to what you were saying a second ago there, I think one of the issues, uh, and we see, quote unquote, with RVH fails, is is still just going to an RVH timing is like, okay, and then some goalies get into a very low RVH. And I know some people teach a very like low shoulder forward RVH. Um, why do they do that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> I, I like, so let's just you know say what I'm talking for, about though. Like, for you know, simplicity's, like sake, simplicity's sake, we'll differentiate between a paddle down RVH and a blocker on the pad. Paddle down being a low, low in this definition because your shoulder is getting pulled forward blocker on the pad where you can sit higher so those are going to be the, the way we differentiate them so it, for those listening at home it's easy to explain so i the, there is a purpose to a paddle down rvh just like there's a purpose to a blocker on pad rvh it all depends on the situation so again simplicity's sake what i use what bush taught me what i use in my goal is is th- if that puck is within three quarters of a stick length away from you or it's a wraparound, paddle down RVH is, is the play because that puck is so tight, it's almost impossible for it to be able to get elevated above your shoulder. As soon as that puck is outside that three quarters of a stick length, so the length of your stick, 75% of it, um, that if you are coming forward in a paddle down that situation, you are becoming vulnerable above your shoulders and so the smaller you are the larger this is going to be that 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 area is going to be and so i don't know why goalies will do the paddle down rvh when the puck is like at the corner on the goal line Uh, i know that you you say you want to block the pass you the puck's out there well one you maybe should be on your feet but anything through your crease is your responsibility to block that pass and you can usually do that with or without a paddle down um so I don't know why it's being taught to do the paddle down REH on shots like that. It doesn't make sense. So for me, again, differentiating and making my goalie smarter and understanding and reading the situation, not just being automatic. As soon as you enter the RVH, I have to do a paddle down RVH. Well, your paddle is not covering anything. Your pad is there. And it's also making a pulling you off the net. So it's eliminating the reason that you ever even are in the RVH, which is to seal the short side. Oh, man. The RVH rabbit hole. But yeah, to kind of circle all that back, like this, it's not it's not even a rabbit hole because it's not it's actually it's not, not that complicated. complicated. Yeah. Because like sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're gonna do everything right and still get beat. Yeah, that's okay. But in terms of which read to which situation, it's it's honestly truly 
And this isn't like me saying like, oh, Ben and I are the RBH gods. It's it's really, really not that that complicated. Where the problem lies lies is some some goalie coaches and some goalies have an like a belief where it is automatic. Whereas every situation requires the same save selection, and it really doesn't. Your the way you use the RVH or the overlap changes depending on the situation, and that is part of being a goalie. And that's what we teach and emphasize is to be smarter in your reads and be able to identify. And that comes with experience and practice. And so, like, it's not going to happen overnight. But that's why it's really, it's honestly, truly not that complicated on the surface. It's hard to learn, and it takes time. But the principles are not complicated. Yeah, that's such a really nice summary. I have to use an RVH a lot because I was a bad skater. So anyways, <laughs> that's a separate issue. Um, but to kind of tie that all in, I think the one thing that's kind of links all these situations um, together and also differentiates them is the level of control and the level of decision making you have to make. And that's really what makes situations and games difficult, right? Mm-hmm. To go back to that um screen tip kind of situation like that play becomes really hard because you can do everything right on it and just still get scored on regularly right it just because mm-hmm. there's so much moving there you can be really happy with how you play something and it changes direction on you off a release you couldn't really see because there was four people in front that's life that's goaltending yeah right well what's really important about these situations and is looking at how you are playing them and the, if there is a pattern right mm-hmm. like on five on threes, if you're constantly getting beat back door, don't just look at that like, well, it's a five on three. Yes. Yes, it is. The chances of the goals going in definitely increases. Like we're not here to dispute that. Um, but just know like, what you could be adjusting and how you could play that differently. And that applies again to, to those low net drives, right? If you're finding yourself um, getting beat often, or if you're finding yourself not feeling comfortable about them, take a little bit, look why, right? Like, yes, these plays are hard, but that doesn't mean there isn't reasons at which you can make those easier. Yeah. And this is, yeah, I agree with everything you said and you, you hit all the points I wanted to make. So the only additional point is when you are self-evaluating, if you don't have a goalie coach or say your goalie coach, isn't giving you like great answers. um, You, I don't know how to say this. If you, if you're having trouble coaching yourself, it is very important to reach out to a goalie coach and ask for help and, I know some people aren't going to like this, but it typically means making a commitment to work with that goalie coach, whether it's remotely or in person for a period of time. Because if someone sends, if someone texts me or DMs me and says, I'm getting beat in post place, that doesn't tell me anything. If someone shows me one clip of them getting beat once on a post play, that doesn't mean anything. For me to actually do my job as best as I can and help that goalie, I need to see a lot of post plays and I need to, you know, work with them on multiple occasions. So I know everyone like, you know, we get it like investing in yourself. It, sometimes it isn't fun. And sometimes you you get, um, it actually is always fun, but sometimes people are apprehensive, to, you know, to, to, to that investment. But I can assure you that investing in yourself and your game is always going to be the best thing because you can solve those problems. And so that's what my biggest thing is like, if you are, if you cannot figure out why you're getting beaten something, reach out and work with a goalie coach who's going to help you do that. Otherwise you're just going to spend your time spinning your wheels and never getting your question answered. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Use code 
pay Ben for 15% off <laughs> with Jamie's elite gold method. Um, but, but as we wrap up here, as always, uh, if you have any questions, always reach out to us. We do our best to try and get back to everyone. Um, and if you're on a podcasting service or YouTube, doesn't hurt to toss us a like or a rating. We always appreciate everyone doing that. Jamie, my final thought for the week is, <clears throat> what's a question? For goalies born since 1984. <clears throat> okay. 1984. Okay. Birth years and younger. What undrafted goalie has played the most games in the NHL? Can you give me a hint? Did he go major junior or college? He is not from North America. Oh, <laughs> Pecorine? No, Pecorine, eighth round draft pick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Ah, oh, damn, that's a bad answer. Because you know um, the story of Peke Rene being I know, drafted I know, after being I know, seen I know, in a warm-up. Come on. I know. That's a bad answer. I panicked. Um, I don't think you're going to get it. I didn't. Believe, I couldn't believe this guy wasn't drafted. Anton Hudobin. Ooh, good answer. Anton Hudobin, seventh-round draft pick. Ah, damn. Um, like I said, I'm the, I don't know. Draft, I'm the draft wizard now. It is anyway. the lord of the RBH himself. Topical for the week. It is Sergei Bobrovsky. 660 NHL games undrafted. What? Yeah, I didn't know that one, did you? No, I... So he went from KHL straight to the show or straight to the American League? I'm pulling it up um, because I couldn't believe it when I grabbed it uh, oh, myself. I That actually... Uh... I am very shocked that no one was able to identify um, identify that when so, he was well, 18. Let's, well, let's do this. So he would have been 18 in 2000 and – okay, his draft year was 2007 because he was born in September of 1988. In mm-hmm. 2007, Jamie, I often say it is very hard to get drafted in the NHL out of the third Russian league. But – but because you're in, because I know you're interested, and this is something that I'm working on with some analysis, yada yada yada. When goalies are successful out of strange leagues, that influences later round picks in subsequent years once that goalie enters the NHL. Fun fact. So Bobrovsky plays in the Russia three for a few years, enters the NHL in 2010, where he immediately has a pretty solid impact. Want to know who starts getting picked up between 2011 and 2014? Goalies out of the Russia three. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. uh, Anyways, Sergey Bobrovsky, the $10 million man himself, undrafted and has currently played, drum roll, 622 NHL games. Well, wow, that's six, a lot of NHL games. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, that includes playoffs. It's actually 673 if you include playoffs. That is a lot of games. Well, mm-hmm. I, uh, that's a, that is a cool fun fact. I never would have guessed that Borowski was not drafted. Well, there you go, Jamie. All right, man. As cool. always, have a great day. Too. Thanks for listening, we'll everyone. We'll see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.